Greetings to everyone, wherever you're listening, whether you're a member of the site, catsillustrated.com, a loyal reader, a new listener to this podcast, or somebody who just stumbled across us on the internet. This is the Cats Illustrated podcast, and I'm your host and the site's publisher, Justin Rowland. Last week's episode got great reviews and has convinced me that this needs to be a regular part of what we do, and I have David Sisk one of our basketball recruiting guys to thank for that. And today I'm very pleased that our managing editor, photographer Jeff Drummond, a man of many talents, an important voice in the Kentucky media world, is going to be joining us today. And Jeff always has great insights into the worlds of Kentucky basketball, football, baseball, everything really. But he's especially in demand here today because he was one of the relative few who had a chance to take a peek at a large portion of Kentucky's football practice on Tuesday was open in part to, to certain members of the media, and I want to pick his brain a little bit. Jeff, how are you doing? Hey, doing well, Justin. That's a, a lot of hype to live up to there with that advanced billing, but we'll try to make it work. I wouldn't have given the introduction if I didn't think you were going to live up to it. And We're recording on Wednesday, late afternoon, and that means we're just more than a week away from Kentucky season opener against Central Michigan. I can't believe it. I'm trying to find a way to get excited about these these football games featuring UMass and du- and Duquesne and Prairie View and Rice, but really looking ahead to the Kentucky Central Michigan game. And Jeff, before I ask you anything specific, what were some of your takeaways from that open practice that you had a chance to to watch in part? And, you know, there's a great photo gallery on the site that Jeff posted. He's a phenomenal photographer. But what were some of the big takeaways that you that you brought home with you? Well, really, this is the first time that we've been able to go out and see them in full pads. And that anybody who's watched practices before, there's such a big difference when you get to see these guys in their more or less what they're going to be wearing for the games compared to maybe the last open practice they had where it was helmets and shorts and there wasn't a whole lot of football going on. (laughs) This time, full pads full speed, all out hitting, and you can really tell the difference in the physicality and just the raw size of this Kentucky team, what they've been able to do through recruiting to turn into what I, I believe now really looks like just about every other SEC team in the league. They remind me somewhat of anytime I go see Kentucky play Mississippi State, I'm just in awe at how big and physical that team is. And Kentucky is starting to look like that when you see them in the trenches and and the kind of bodies they have. I always wonder what they've got in the water down in Starkville or what they're feeding those guys in Starkville because that does jump off the page. And, you know, I think you're absolutely right. You've seen it up close. But even just the numbers, the heights and the weights of these guys. Now, some people might say, well, they recruited a monster class, you know, with Marquand McCall and, and... Thanos, who you refer to, uh, Nick Lewis, and all these freshmen, and, and you, you might say, well, isn't it going to take two or three years for these guys to start making an impact? But, I mean, based on what you said, guys like Nasir Watkins, guys like Darian Kennard, maybe somebody like Marquand McCall in the defensive line, these are guys that could make an impact, like, right away. Do you think that's fair? Those are three guys that I would specifically pinpoint as you know, if I was a betting man, I would bet on them being impact players this season. And I don't necessarily mean breaking the starting lineup because there's some pretty good people out there. It wouldn't surprise me if one of those, uh, you know, didn't along the way, especially 
a guy like Watkins who's been in the program for a year and, and has that experience. Uh, but all three of those guys look like not only are they physically ready, but mentally they act like they belong. And really they act like they've been around for two or three years. The question on everybody's mind, and I apologize for that, the question on everybody's mind is the quarterback race. And and I think lost in that, if, if Kentucky is as, as much better as they could potentially be defensively, more as much more physical as, as you and others seem to think, that's going to make the learning curve for whoever wins the starting quarter, quarterback job um, not as steep or severe. But i got to ask you about the quarterback battle you were able to see these guys in action what did you take away from what you saw especially as it relates to terry wilson and gunner hope well it was an interesting day uh, for one i wouldn't label it maybe their best based on the other reports that we've heard from you know some people who've kind of slipped into those scrimmages and watched these guys it sounds like saturday they they did a really good job in this workout there were a few mistakes. There were some picks. In fact, I think I counted uh, probably four or five in, in just the amount of time we were able to watch. But we learned afterward uh, from Mark Stoops and Eddie Graham that they have challenged these guys a little bit to be more aggressive down the field. They, they are really stressing the need to stretch the field more this season to give them a better chance you know, to win some of these close games that they've been in and, and maybe come up a little bit short because they were a little bit one-dimensional. So you have these two guys in this quarterback battle, both of them sophomores, both of them a little maybe gun-shy to throw it in the tight spots. And the, the staff wants to see them doing that a little more, at least in practice, to trust these big physical wide receivers to go up and make a play. And that's kind of what we saw. They were just uh, airing it out, kind of Brett Favre style, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, which, if you know, people familiar with his career, and I'm certainly not comparing these guys to Brett Favre by any stretch. But you know, it was kind of feast or famine at times with the big play, and he didn't seem to care. He's like, "Hey, I'm going for it. Uh, we're putting it up there. If our guy comes down with it, great." Uh, got a few picks. In, in that situation from DBs that made really good plays on the ball, which was another bright spot. Uh, but the fact that the staff is really kind of hammering this point through that we got to go down the field this season, I think is going to be encouraging for all the fans. Yeah, I mean, if they can get that vertical game going. And it seemed like after, I want to say, the first scrimmage, Hinshaw, that's something Hinshaw emphasized to guys like you who were there that – um, they've got to give their guys a chance to catch the ball. And it sounds like in the second scrimmage they did a better job of that. Did you see anything anything from the receivers that jumped out? We know what Bowden's capable of, but I know uh, Josh Ali is somebody that, that you said uh, hit on a big play over the top with Wilson. Um, any any receivers stand out to you? Yeah, the, the guys you mentioned, uh, especially one of the newcomers, uh, Akeem Hayes, is a guy that has just built up all kinds of good buzz and word of mouth uh, from both the players on the team and the coaches. And we saw some glimpses of that during this practice. He just seems, seems to have a knack uh, for making the play. Um, I didn't know as much about him as some of these other guys through the recruiting process, other than that 
he had that interesting backstory with UK and U of L, and, and, and where you know how he ended up here uh, with signing. But uh, they could have got a real steal with him, and he's probably one of the least impressive guys from a physical standpoint <laughs> amongst that crew of receivers. But man, can he! really play i have to take a helping of of humble pie if he turns out to be as good as people are saying because i did not see his emergence coming i mean honestly when they put him on the the prospectus that they sent out to the media and i think he's listed like 510 155 the 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 name tv williams just came to mind immediately and i'm like is this another tv williams but but you don't think the the lack of size seems to be hurting him too much so far no, it doesn't. And, and reading from that sheet right now, five eight one fifty three. Oh wow! And, yeah, you know that's that's Craig East territory. Yeah, uh, physically to give people a, a pretty good comparison. But you know, if he comes up with plays like East did, people will forget about that size real quick. As far as I, I'll get back to the offensive side of the ball, but one of my big questions going into this, and you did you did post something about him on the House of Blue, and I would encourage people to use our fifty percent off uh, a first year of a new annual subscription to read all of Jeff's great work covering this team. Jordan Jones, he's been kind of a mystery. It seemed like people were a little bit frustrated that maybe some of his nagging um, health issues were lingering a little bit, maybe maybe creating a, a situation where there be there would be some rust, but it doesn't seem like. Um, he was too far behind the curve. What do you think about Jordan Jones and what you saw? You know, this was kind of one of the more interesting observations from the whole practice for me is I just kind of forgot about Jordan Jones. Yeah. And I assume I assumed that he wasn't out there. Wow. And then toward towards the end of the eleventh period, when they go uh, full team play, you know, the ones against the ones, the twos against the twos. Uh, there's a play where Benny Snell has a cutback run, and I'm watching from the end zone, and all of a sudden, Jordan Jones just comes up and levels him, plants him into the dirt. And it took me a minute to figure out, hey, who was this? I was like, it's 34, it's Jordan Jones. <laughs> yeah. And wow, what, you know, I, I dare say there may not be another guy on that roster who could have made this play. And it just, for me, it underscored how much different it looks and how different the attitude is, the whole swagger of the defense when that guy's out there with them. Yeah. I, I just, the difference between Jordan Jones in 2016 and Jordan Jones in 2017 is just so significant. I think that, that's got to be one of the single biggest variables that that's going to define this team, especially with the unexpected losses at linebacker, which Jordan Jones are we going to see? And I think a lot of it's going to have to do with his mental state, um, how he reacts to maybe some adversity. I guess we'll, we'll see. I want to go back to the offensive side of the ball really quickly. You mentioned that Saheem King was in a uh, was in a red jersey, meaning no contact. We know Benny Snell is going to be Benny Snell. What do, what do you make of that? Backup running back situation. Do you see anything from AJ Rose? Um, anything about Saheem King? I mean, you. Th- I've kind of been working on the assumption that this year they're maybe more going to split the backup reps um, as opposed to Rose just getting maybe nine carries in the second half of a blowout against Mississippi State. Um, what, what do you think about the the backup running back situation? I, I think they feel pretty comfortable with both of those guys. Uh, Sai is kind of a proven commodity, and they know what they can expect out of him. I don't think they're too worried about that situation just being a little 
bit cautious with some nicks and dings. Uh, AJ is a guy who really seems to be coming on and continuing that growth that we saw through the spring game. Uh, and has carried it into camp. Eddie Graham very happy uh, with what he's showing. I think he's taken full advantage of those days when they were a little careful with Benny Snell or didn't have him going uh, all out. I, I would expect to see A.J. getting, like you said, probably eight, eight to ten carries uh, per game this year instead of the sporadic use uh, that, that we've seen in the past. Yeah. It's, I mean – Another one of those big variables that's going to have a huge impact in how this season plays out, you know, while we're all talking about the quarterbacks, is the defensive line. And I do think people are talking about the defensive line. They know that Kentucky's defensive line has to make a big step forward. And I think the reason why we're talking about it so much is, you know, even with the just brutal circumstances, unfortunate circumstances around Josh Pascal's um, situation, they have a ton of guys who seem capable of taking a big step forward. Did you? Did and I gotta say, if if Kentucky's offensive line is as good as we think it can be, you know, the ones against the ones, the twos against the twos in practice might really tell us something about that defensive line. What do you think about how the defensive line stacked up against against Kentucky's big uglies on offense? Yeah, I think if you can really say that if they can hold their own in practice against that offensive line on a daily basis, that that kind of bodes well uh, for these guys up front. And, and the one guy that automatically jumps out at you is Quentin Bohanna. And, you know, I think the hype is real on this kid. Uh, we've, we've heard it since early last season, and we saw some flashes of it as a freshman. He looks to me like a guy who's ready to take that next step into stardom territory. And he's carrying himself like he believes that, that he's that good. And you see him in the circle, you know, with his fellow defensive linemen, whether it's just individual drills or, or, you know, going into the the work against the O-line. He's coaching them up. He's taking a leadership role with that group. He's just a sophomore. But I think his play is so impressive and consistent that all those guys kind of, you know, latch on and follow what he has to say, he's he's earned that respect. Yeah, we've got a we got a new story up on Bohanna at the site this morning, where his high school defensive line coach, I'm not sure he's the defensive line coach then, but he is now at Cordova, said that what made him a special player, and why they're not surprised the impact that he's made at Kentucky, is he has the highest football IQ of any player that he has ever coached, and he's just calling out you know, what the blocking schemes are when the one's getting doubled, and he sees what's going on, as the coach said, on the back end. And when you got the mental part of the game down to that level and you're as big and as nasty as he is, then you know, that helps explain how you beat out two, three seniors at the position last year. And Derek LeBlanc told me at Media Day that for him to take the, the next step in his development, he just got to bring the same motor every single play. And um, I think sometimes when people hear, hear the motor thing, they might – they might get a little bit um, cautious. It's like, well, why isn't this guy bringing it every snap? But I, I think it's, it's just hard for an 18-year-old in the SEC to, to uh, really understand the, the level of physicality that, that's every play. And, and another year in the strength program, as, as far as conditioning endurance, could probably do wonders for him. Um, I, I, 
want to put you on the spot with a quarterback, and I should have asked you this when, when we talked about Wilson and Hoke. Do you have any – seems like the momentum is trending towards Wilson, especially after that second scrimmage, although Stoops hasn't named a starter. Um, the consensus seems to be Wilson might win the job, but they'll both play in the first game. Would you disagree with that, or what's your take? It sure feels that way to me. I mean, at this point with what we've heard, during the last week, I would be surprised if it wasn't Wilson. I think he just brings too many things uh, to the table. No pun intended here, but too many options, <laughs> you know, for the offense. And you, you're going to see a lot of, you know, RPO with him if he's the guy. But based on everything I've been told, you know, on and off the record, this has not been a, a clear-cut situation. And the staff has not been playing games with this. It's really been as close – as it's been projected up until that last scrimmage where I think Wilson kind of inched out ahead. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if you did get to see Hoke a little bit in that first game. And hopefully, you know, ideally Kentucky comes out and takes care of business early. And that one, that seems to seldom happen for the Cats, especially in openers uh, where they're a little bit uh, rough around the edges at times. But if they could come out and, and build a comfortable lead and, and put that team away early and, and be able to get Hogan there and build some confidence with him, see what he could do. I think everybody would come out of that a winner. I think, I've been telling everyone who asked me, I think they're going to be very solid at minimum at that position, no matter which guy uh, is taking the snaps. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, Jeff, if, they, if you tell me that the baseline is they're going to be very solid at quarterback. That would dramatically impact my my prediction for this team. Like, I think if they're very solid, took good at quarterback, for me, that's like you're talking seven, eight wins potential for a special season rather than and, – and much less likelihood of the bottom falling out in three, four, five wins. Um, I know you – I don't remember what your prediction was as far as Kentucky's win total. Do you remember what you picked? I was the ultimate fence rider, yeah. <laughs> and I went with six and six there as a baseline. Yeah, and I think they have that potential to go to seven, possibly eight, if everything fell right for them. But I just kept coming back to I can't predict this without having any idea what quarterback it's going to look like. <laughs> so I kind of hedged, kind of went six and six, and with the idea that they could probably. Do better than that, but you've also got to concede. You know, certain things fall a certain way, and they have bad luck with either bad breaks or injuries. Uh, things could slide the other direction. So I think there might be a plus or minus two on either side of that prediction. Yeah, no, I I think it was. I think yours was. I mean, yeah, you could say it's a safe prediction, but it, it's a good prediction. I mean, they've been five and seven to seven and five for four consecutive years now, and I'm looking at the schedule, and I mean, just objectively, they're they're going to be underdogs probably against Florida, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Texas A&M, probably on the road at Missouri against Georgia, Tennessee, and Louisville. So, I mean, I think a lot of people nationally are still looking at this team and saying they're probably going to be underdogs in seven games, and the, 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 the numbers would say they'll probably win one or two of those as upsets. Um, I don't think they're at great risk of losing the games against Central Michigan or Murray State or Vanderbilt. 
um, or Middle Tennessee. So it's more likely they pick one up than they lose one. But I, I think most people from the outside looking in are saying six and six uh, as well. Uh, what, what, what? Aside from quarterback, do you have any big questions about this team? Is it just what? What's the defensive line going to do? Or it's a big, big question that that's still in your mind. Yeah, I still think the defense has a lot to prove. Uh, we saw how worn down they got in the second half of last season, and, and and some of the issues there. I like how they built a little bit more depth at certain spots over there. But this camp has shown us that they're still a little bit dangerously thin at a couple of others, at least with proven experienced guys. Uh, that may change, you know, in the first three or four weeks of the season. They may get some guys uh, reps to make us feel better about a couple of those spots. But the defense, kind of like the quarterbacks, have, have a lot to prove. Um, can they be as effective as they were in the first half of the schedule against the run where they were pretty stout at times and be able to sustain that and, and carry it through, you know, when the calendar turns to, to mid to late October and, and beyond. I'm with you. Yeah, they were great in the first half defending the run. I think they were in the top 10 nationally in run defense for maybe like the first month or more of the season. And then, then the bottom just kind of fell out. But one of my big questions, and we'll talk about this more maybe next week when we preview Central Michigan, but um, one of my big questions about this team, and I talked to Gabe Diarmond of the Missouri site, and he was previewing Kentucky with me, and he said, I'm looking at Kentucky's schedule, and they start SEC play at Florida, Mississippi State, South Carolina, at Texas A&M. And it's like, I mean, holy cow, that's that's – about as tough as it gets if you're an SEC East team. I mean, again, most people from the outside looking in, I'm not saying they're going to start 0-4. And I asked the question on Twitter, and I think most people said they're going to be like 2-2, two and two, more said 1-3 and three than 3-1. Three and one. But a lot of people who don't have a stake in Kentucky football, and I'm just being real, a lot of people would look at that schedule and say they're going to start 0-4 in the SEC. Um, and, and I... I don't necessarily think that myself, but how do you think they come out of those first four games, and, and how daunting do you think that is? Well, well, certainly, I think if you look at it objectively, you've got to think two and two is a very real possibility, and it, it could go one and three or oh and four. Really, the only thing that would surprise me is if Kentucky won all four of those. Right. But, but but anything else, you know, wouldn't be all that all that shocking to me. I think you got to defend your home turf with the two home games. If you lose the road games, it's not all that surprising. But you want to go and play well. You know, you don't want to get stomped in either one of those uh, games. That could be a bad, you know, a red flag for the rest of the season. But another thing that's that's kind of looming here. I think with that scenario, the four games you mentioned, it is so imperative, I think, from a program and a fan interest and attendance standpoint to not get off to a disastrous start in those games, to at least break even. Because with this Big Blue Bahamas (laughs) exhibition tour that we just saw and how well the, the team played and a an opener in basketball looming against Duke, that attention span has the potential to swing really hard (laughs) the other way. And you don't want, you know, this team, this program at this juncture, uh, still building, still getting better, 
to have a bunch of empty seats at, at Commonwealth Stadium that early in the season. I, I think they've got to hold serve on those home games, win at least two of the four uh, to open SEC play, and then go from there. Yeah, I think – I mean, it'll be interesting to see the, the, the response to the Florida game. Fortunately, they get Murray State after Florida. So if it's an emotional win – they can still have the letdown and probably survive. And if it's a blowout, they can get or, – or if they lose, they can survive the, the annual negativity and get back on track. But, um, you know, I, I just think that's a very difficult four-game stretch. Um, it's a lot to ask them to beat Mississippi State at home. I will say if they go 3-1 and one in those first four SEC games – they could have an outside chance at contending in the East if a couple of things goes wrong, things go wrong for Georgia. I don't think that's going to happen, but you look at the first half of the schedule versus the second half. They go three and one. They could very well finish five and three in the uh, in the SEC. But um, Jeff, uh, coming away from the practice as we look ahead to the next week, what are what are you really looking to to learn from from this Kentucky team aside from the quarterback battle? What do you expect uh, is going to happen over the next week as, as regards the team? Well, you know, that the, the full attention, I think, will still be on the quarterback spot. That's kind of a, a natural deal <laughs> in, in sports with, with fans and, and media alike. But, uh, you, you know, the other part, maybe that gets overlooked quite a bit, and we haven't really delved into it a great deal on the site because we just don't see a lot of it is the special teams. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, they're having to replace a guy that I've made the argument for the last two years. Austin McGinnis was arguably that team's MVP. Uh, Not saying he was the best player, but if you went strictly by the definition of most valuable, he could have been the difference in that team going to -to back-to-back bowl games and not going to a bowl game at all. And they've got to find a way to replace him uh, with uh, probably Miles Butler. Uh, you know, Chance Poor, by all accounts, has been, you know, made a good showing uh, through camp so far. But that position is going to be extremely important when we look at the schedule and see how many games, just on paper, appear to be games that could come down to the fourth quarter and be won or lost on a kick. I feel like we're always going to be talking about Mark Stoops teams like that. You know, he's an Iowa guy, and when I think I envision the, the, the kind of football game that he's comfortable coaching, he likes those games that you can kind of micromanage and, and they come down to like a couple of kicks on, on either either way. And he was able to lean on McGinnis. I think certainly he won a couple of games, Louisville and Mississippi State, two years ago. And then last year, I thought special teams, like you said, were the difference between 7-5 and five and 5-7. Five and seven. I don't know that they would have beaten Eastern Michigan last year if it weren't for, for how the special teams unit played. And that was the best special teams unit Kentucky's had in a, in a, in a very long time, just efficient across the board. And they, they just replaced so much. I mean, it's not it wasn't just the two kickers they're replacing. They're going to have to find new guys to step up in all aspects of the special teams game. Yeah, return guys, coverage guys. It, it was a very fun year to watch those guys, uh, you know, deliver so many big plays. And, and across the board, you've got opportunities, I think, for some of these young guys and uh, some of these recruits or guys that are running with the twos or threes to kind of make an impact and, and show the coaches that they deserve 
maybe a longer look in in normal type offensive or defensive situations. Jeff, I, I want to keep this podcast a manageable length. I was told that we were going to hear some some trees coming down in the background, but I think we survived that on your end. Um, we'll be back probably next week to talk Kentucky basketball recruiting with either you or David, and definitely you to preview Central Michigan. But I thought it was a, it was a great time. Appreciate you sharing the insight that you were uniquely uh, privileged to gain access to with, uh, with with that practice viewing. And again, great, great gallery and notes that Jeff put up at the House of Blue. If you're not a member, 50% off your first year of a new annual subscription. Please continue listening. Rate us on iTunes. Jeff, thank you for joining us today, man. All right, Justin. Thank you. That was Jeff Drummond. I am Justin Rowland signing off. Please uh, participate in the conversation at the site, and we're going to have a whole lot of stuff coming up in the next few days. Matchup analysis with Central Michigan, all kinds of stuff, recruiting-wise, football, basketball. Stick with us. Have a great day.